I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. And it is episode eight, another episode of A Gay and His NB for you folks. Thank you for listening. And we have a very special, we're, we're mixing things up sort of this episode uh, this week and trying something out going forward. Um, we have so much stuff that we want to talk so about. So much stuff. And we are not uh, picky people and we are not um, people who can, uh, you know, we want to talk about everything. We're very opinionated. All the, the things, day. all the opinions. So because of that and because we're, you know, going to be talking also this episode about Survivor and we wanted to talk about the Traders reunion that just aired and among other things, um, we're going to do something a little different with our scheduling. We can consider it like a, a gay and his MBD double feature. Ooh, a double feature. What exactly does that mean? So basically the way we're going to be doing things is that this episode that you're hearing on Friday as it comes out um, is going to be basically things like Drag Race, Survivor, uh, things that are a little more competition based, things that are a little more, you know, sort of fun and freer. And if you want to get all of our Bravo based content, you know, your Real Housewives, your Vanderpump Rules, we're going to be talking about that. But that episode is going to come out on Saturday, the day after this first episode comes out. So you're going to get a chance to listen to it all and not in one giant four hour episode that's, you know, a massive piece on your on your podcast, wherever you listen to. Um, but, you know, sorry, mix it up a little bit. We're going to try this out. We're definitely doing it for the next month because there's going to be, you know, all of March, there's going to be all these shows that we're covering. and It's going to be a really stacked schedule. Um, so we're testing this new method out and seeing if we like it and seeing if you guys like it. And and yeah, we're ex- I'm really excited. I, for one, think it's a great idea, but I'm also the one that came up with it. So, you know, <laughs> I'm a little biased. That's fair. Um, but we mentioned this week we're talking uh, Survivor, the premiere of Survivor 44. Yay! We love all the wilderness as long as it's behind the television screen. And we I can don't judge everybody else about it. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot to get to in this episode. Um, but first, as always. As always. We have Drag Race. Drag Race the episode 200 of RuPaul's Drag Race. And we got a ball today. Yes, we got a great ball ahead of us. The crystal ball. Um, very, I, I would say really good ball in general. And we'll, and we'll pick it apart and dissect it in a little bit. Um, but we're coming from the end of the Lips and Clala Perusa. Actually, we don't see them immediately go back into the workroom. We're, we go straight to the next day um, because of all the way it was structured with Untucked and all that stuff. Um, and we got a mini challenge for the first time in a good while uh, this week with the photobomb mini challenge, photobomb past drag race moments. Yeah, I like these. Um, these it's not on my list of favorite mini challenges, but it's definitely not at the bottom either. It's one of those that, yeah, that's fun to have. Yeah, the, the, yeah. It's, it, I like that they went a little bit more creative, at least the contestants. Like, I think that there were people doing things that were like weren't the same old same old like be wear crazy makeup and like show off your crotch and like do all that like right you know uh Anitra you know who ended up winning the challenge I think did really well with the whole like jumping into Willow Pill's bath I thought it was creative yeah that was great uh and of course we love a Willow Pill reference yeah and and I forgot who pointed it out but it was like Anitra's quick drag is like very good like in terms of like yeah. I did not see that much of a difference in terms of that stuff. Um, you also had uh, bald Marsha <laughs> with the crown and like the like that was hilarious. It was like she looked like what was the what's that movie that like 
like Trixie's done like a drag number two where it's like the girl who gets in the whose mom is like poisoning her in the wheelchair. Oh, it's the the Munchausen's by proxy yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like she looked dead on like her. <laughs> yeah, and there was a there was a TV show that kind of did that same thing like the, with Ben Platt. I okay. tried to get you to watch that, but I don't think we ever got around to it. There's also like a Sarah Paulson movie that's like similar to it. I yeah, I mean, people love that trope. Yeah, I don't know why because it's really traumatic. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucked up. Like, no, what? Anyways, but uh, as I mentioned, Anitra wins the challenge. Uh, congratulations to her. And then we get the announcement that uh, in celebration of the 200th episode, they're doing the Crystal Ball since it's a. Uh, since the 15 year anniversary of the show as well and you know crystal and all that stuff um and then we get the three categories which is uh start your engines where they have to basically recreate and do their own spin on rupaul's classic um race racing suit like promo mm-hmm. look the one that's in the title every episode yeah i i thought that was a, f- a fun choice and then they also did my favorite ball for the second category, which I got confused because when she was describing it, I thought it was take a con- former contestant's look. That's what I thought too. And re and reimagine it, but no, it's like you pick a ball a ball, a ball category, yeah, from a past ball and and do your spin on it. And then finally, the crystal ball, which is that uh, this is the look that they had to make when they were in the workroom. And, um, you know, having all these crystal materials. They gave them actual, like, fabric, it seemed, as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, just random... Well, yeah, because if you're doing a, a category like, um, I think it was technically crystallized eleganza, um, when you're doing a category like that, you need the, like, you can't sit there and stone something until you go cross-eyed for, yeah. for three weeks, because that's how drag's usually made for that sort of look. But... So they didn't have that option. They had to give them fabric that already was like pre-stoned. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I thought it ended up working to their benefit necessarily. I don't mind the fact sometimes that when they give them fabric, because at least it's still like, it's still a skill at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised that Sasha was saying in the workroom that she doesn't sew, which I mean, partially makes sense in the sense that she's so popular that I'm sure everyone wants to make stuff for her. Sure, but she wasn't always. RuPaul wasn't always at the level that she's at. And I would would consider, I mean, she seems to come from an era that like is where they focus so much on doing the things like sewing and like those elements. So it was a little surprising. Um, But it's, I I think she said it in the workroom, which is just like, she knows how to work, how to fit her body though. And knows how to sort of like pull together right. a look, which I think we saw in the challenge. Um, <laughs> Anitra saying that she was uh, her look was inspired by the Kennedy Davenport famous. Um, I did not see it. I didn't see that personally. I mean, technically, everyone's look was because it was crystals, but right. I mean, to me, it was more inspired by. Um, the Ora Maori uh, horror look from like season or episode two, sure. I think, of this season. Which um, I actually think I, I mean, they're I don't I won't say I like Anitra's bet. I think they're different, and 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 we'll get to it. They right. they gave different vibes. Like if the category was spines out, <laughs> um, I think that auras fit the category better. But I liked visually. The crystals, because I'm a crystals bitch. Yeah, not a crystal bitch. We don't do that shit here. <laughs> but 
I do love me some bling and some sparkly shit. Yeah. Uh, and what was the Anitra made that comment about like time is definitely not of the Jada essence hall. And it, <laughs> it took me like 10 seconds to figure out what she was saying. Cause I was like that. It, time it was, is of the essence. It was too much of a leap. Like it was like, I don't know. I think it was cause it's her middle name, which was why it was I mean, confusing. maybe. Yeah. If it was like, if her last name was essence, if it was just Jada essence, yeah. time is of the Jada essence. That I feel like that would be better. Um, so uh, Rue and is doing her walkthroughs with everybody with Carson as well. And typically, I really like when Carson does the walk. Carson. I've said it multiple times. I think they really sh- he's a very valuable judge on the show in general. Like I think he actually gives. He's got to make up for Ross. I know he gives actual like fair critique for the most part and like th- thoughtful enough critique. Um, they go to Spice and. Spice is like she has the disco ball that she's she's like I'm gonna use this as a purse and it's like okay so you're doing a purse again because you've done purse like Mm -hmm. I mean that maybe I shouldn't really knock that because I I, like I've said before in this show I like when people have signatures and stuff like that but I just do not understand how Spice's brain works in terms of like listening to people like Carson and Rue are basically just like a lot of your looks are very simple and they're not, and they're sort of the same character yeah. every single time. So this is your opportunity to really go real conceptual in terms of like an idea. Right. And, and for some reason, like that went through Spice's ear and it like processed in her brain. And she said, yes, you're absolutely right. I will do a long skirt <laughs> as if that's what he said. It's like, he, he said nothing about like, and the actual silhouette did not change, just the hemline. I mean, yeah, she had a longer skirt, but that, like, that's not the point. Like, I don't under, like, it's like, I don't get And we can't really knock a purse gimmick. Like, Lux was amazing, or not Lux, um, La, mm, who was it that had the little purse before? Oh, oh, from past season? Yes. Uh, Olivia Lux. Yes. Olivia, yeah. yeah. Okay, Olivia Lux had the little purse before and we died, but you know why? Because her looks were amazing. And, um, you know, the first person who had the purse look, that would be, uh, Bob, the drag queen also had phenomenal looks. So like, if you're going to do a thing where you're, you know, playing a bit every week, your looks have to be above reproach. Yeah. Um, they go to mistress and she talks about how like, Every she feels like everyone's kind of gonna go real gaudy, and that she's trying to like sort of simplify in a way, which I think she does at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and sort of go very pageant and stuff like that. Um, Mistress, I I think you know at the end of the day, you know she's really smart in terms of like, I mean we see it in terms of sort of the more stuff inside the workroom and stuff like that, but just in terms of her dragon or thought process, she's. I, she's I think really tough competition. I think. In, oh yeah. In this, I could see her winning. At the end of the day as well. Um, and then they get to Selena. And this was basically like the, okay, RuPaul's going to make someone cry now. Like she, Oh, geez. She literally, uh, out of nowhere, just asked, like, t- towards the end of the, like, sort of critique of, like, how are you, she asked, how are you doing emotionally? And it's like, that's just basically translation to, I need you to cry right now. Well, they knew they weren't going to get a tragedy mirror this episode, so they had to. And then, and then immediately it's like, this is your saboteur at the end of the day. It's like, no, you're the saboteur. Like it's <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. Like run Drew Barrymore run. I don't know why RuPaul like 
get I get she wants to be like this health like like self help guru like you know vibe you know back when she wanted to do the talk show again recently. It's just not it. I it's fine. It doesn't land for me. But you need a mix of material. Yeah. Like, well, it's not even just the fact that she needs a mix of material. It's that she also needs authenticity. Yeah. Like, Rue, like, I, I'm i not going to question her motives or her heart behind things, but all I can tell you is that what she brings does not always land as authentic. It lands as scripted. So I don't trust you know, where her heart is. You know what I would I think might help? I feel like we don't know unless you like read her book or like see her do like a Diane Sawyer interview. Like we don't see her trauma and like right. her like which like obviously I mean to it's well documented in certain regards, but it's like it gets to a point where it's like it's very easy to pick other people's like stuff. Right. But like what's your stuff? Right. Well, especially when drag race is really like, I get that she, you know, had a very public career, her entire career, pretty much since the 80s. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the current Drag Race uh, audience does not know that. Yeah. I mean, they know it, but they don't, they're not familiar with all of that. So they, we don't have a history there to pull from. We don't have any, um, like a lot of people, you know, wanted to see her start getting up there and, hey, you're going to judge people. Like, get up there and show us the reason that you should be in the position to judge people. Yeah. And then she gets up and does these step touch lip syncs up there. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I forgot about the step touch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she, this is like her second one this season. Yeah. It's, I, it's, come on. Oh, I I literally blocked that from my memory. My God, it was like, so bad. And and don't come for me because I absolutely do. I love Rue at the end of the day. Like she has made a lot of progress and done a lot for the queer community, especially the drag community. But uh, you know, she's done a lot of progress even for the trans community and like um changed her views on a lot of things because she didn't used to always be progressive when it came to trans issues. Yeah. Um, but she's made a lot of progress there and really been an advocate for us. And so like, I will give her those props. And like, it's, a, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's not like she, you know, it could be much worse in terms of, rep, of someone being a representative. I honestly don't think we would be where we are today with, with gay rights. No, if not we at didn't all. have RuPaul. Not at all. Um, I think it's just something to maybe look into because like you said, I think the audiences of a younger, such a younger generation, especially that they don't, aren't as versed as sort of the older queer generation to where like, right. they know everything about RuPaul in that regard. Um, we go into the workroom the next day. Um, they're talking uh, as they're getting their makeup done. And then we hear sort of Anitra's more backstory and her trauma. And this was like, so, so we did get a trauma mirror. Okay. This was, I was I, this like this trauma mirror stuff that they kind of put in every episode. This genuinely was so upsetting. like, I think the, we're all in agreement in terms of drag race community of like, we want to fight Anitra's mom at this point. Oh, 100%. Like it was so upset. And, and we hear stories. So I think the problem was like, we hear stories so often about like gay kids and trans kids and, and queer kids getting kicked out and being, you know, and you know, and uh, it's sad every time. 
I think there was just something so sad of also in this story of like it being sort of dangled in front of her, like this sort of acceptance being like presented to her and then a week later being snatched away from her. That's just yeah. so wrong on multiple levels. And But she did say that she reconnected with her biological father from this. And it's she didn't say specifically. It felt like a case of like she... It seemed like the mother was choosing the stepfather over Anitra in that regard. It's for her to... That's the only thing that makes sense to me in terms of her being yeah. so accepting in the beginning and then a week later being like, you're making everyone uncomfortable. Right. It like, that's the, I, I could be wrong, but like, that just seems, seems like that, that influence on her and her choosing him over Anitra. Yeah. And, and that's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go to the runway. You already mentioned the sort of step touch performance from RuPaul to cake and candy. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. We're kid. good. It, it was fine. Um, oh, I do want to talk about, um, Carson doing that stir the pot motion. Like at the Carson <laughs> hams it up every single time. He it's is so good. He is such a, uh, yeah. I need that as a meme for like when people are stirred up shit on Twitter. Just, yeah, <laughs> just put that little gif out there. Um, so the first, obviously, first category as we mentioned is the start your engines, the racetrack look. What were some of the ones that stood out for us? Um, to me, Sasha Colby. I think Sasha was so smart in her choice, I mean, like like doing a gown in that sort of style. I think was like such a innovative move in that regard but then she also did it as separates which still like yeah. brought like a a sporty edge to it yeah very and like still tied it back into the feel of that while still making it elegant and making it it was it was and it was incredible. very like malibu almost and sort of like the styling yeah. like with the hair and i think was tied it into the theme of like the racetrack in a ways to sort of keep that still intact um, I thought that was really good. Um, I thought, I will say Spice looked really polished in terms of like sort of like the cohesiveness of the look. And, and Carson pointed out like the details in the shoes and the way everything matched. And like, I think, you know, we'll get to it later, but I think that was her, you know, sort of really top notch look for the night. Oh, 100%. Uh, especially the shoes. I, I'm always um, happy with a rhinestone shoe. Yeah. Um, we're going to go into the, uh, favorite ball look. The, oh, this was the overall most boots we have done in a category all season. There wasn't a lot of like, like they only chose like three or four different, like they, there wasn't really, I wonder like, if they were given a specific list that maybe. they were allowed to choose from. That's yeah. And I think it would have been better to like do the, like do it based off of a queen's look that they've already done as opposed to right. the general category. Um, I thought Lux was great. I thought the black hair look with the like, um, you know, really a structural headpiece sort of mm -hmm. like hair um, was really good. Um, I think Lucy's was a little disappointing um, in terms of like, I didn't really understand she was doing doggy like poop bags until she pulled the one out of her, her top. Yeah. I mean, until she pulled the, the prop out, I mean, it wasn't clear that she was doing bag ball. Yeah. Um, 
or what any of the little colored things were on her dress or in was it in her hair? No, it was just on her dress. It was kind of well, she had it like, almost like a flower crown. Oh, that's what it was. Because it, it was yeah. kind of this like bohemian like sort of like vibe, but like with dog it it was kind of too much of a leap to like yeah. connect. Like she was like it was smart to repurpose the material and turn it into something else, but then we lost all connection to the category. Yeah. I think I th- I think Selena's was the worst in terms of just like there was too much on her. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been more successful if they were all cuz I got what she was trying to do. Like she was trying to do like the EBT card. Yeah. Good like, idea. Like it's a good idea and if it was all that card instead of trying to do notes and stuff like that, I think it would have been more successful. I wish she, I wish she would have just focused on that and made that the whole dress and used that as the sort of like um, what's that word for like the little like um, applique? Not applique, but like little. Just that being the accent on the dress, right? And I think she, if she got rid of the weird money like stuff around collar her sh- thing, yeah. yeah. And you did you see that they were personalized and had her face on them? Which I mean, takes like, a lot of work. That takes a lot of work and effort. And if you had didn't done just the bills, I think it would have been too close to previous money looks. Yeah. But I think if you had done, if she had done the cards. It would have maybe um, been a similar look to um, Simone's entrance look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Polaroids. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been really cool. And, like, you didn't even have to make it a callback to that. But that was a successful look. Yeah. And you could have done it with the overlaid, like, exactly what you're trying to say. And I can't think of the word either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... Oh, payettes. I'm thinking payettes. Like, little, like... Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, um, like, little shiny big sequences. Right. Like, it would have, um... It would have been a lot more successful that way. And I think she could have gotten a lot of good movement out of it. Like, Like it was, there was not really a lot of movement. Yeah. But if she had done all the cards and done, like, some spinning, you could have gotten some good, like, flapper fringe Because you want moments. that movement. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, that, I think that's – it just needs some editing. Um, and I really liked Sasha's um, marijuana kush, like, little – Yeah, that was really cool. I think it was – I mean, it was great from even the top up, but just to have the added, like, sort of gag of the skirt with, like, the weed I wish, in the bag. I do wish that the bag had been a little fuller because you could see, like, the panty underneath. Uh, Oh, yeah. And so it wasn't like full. Like you want a full dime bag. Just yeah, saying. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and then we get to the crystal eleganza look, which is the one they made. Obviously, far and away the best was Anitra. Oh. Uh, it was so that was absolutely stunning. The way I gagged when she walked around that corner. If 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 Anitra's uh, we'll get to it later, but like if Anitra's two previous looks were were a little bit better. This would have been her show. Oh, yeah. Episode. Because this by far blew away anything anyone had on the runway in any of the categories. Oh, completely. Like the way it was just like the the way the skirt trumpeted in the right way and was like pleated at the at the bottom to like sort of make this like real big moment. And then like you mentioned the spine with all the crystals. Oh, and the shoulder little. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. So smart. And and. Um, yeah, I, I, it was really top notch stuff. I do want to do a shout out to Malaysia. Like you really liked Malaysia. I really loved Malaysia's look and I feel like the judges were unfairly harsh to her. I thought that that looked on par or not 
if not better than a lot of the other looks that were safe. I think it looked better than the design challenge look that where she was in the top earlier in the season. Completely I, agree. I will say that. Um, uh, I thought Mistress also looked really good. I think. Oh like, yeah, that white. Lo- oh, that's so good. And it hugged her body perfectly. There's a professionalism into everything that she like constructs in terms of her look. That's just like really top notch. I also really liked Malaysia's look from the first category, and I forgot to mention that earlier. I know you weren't so happy with the mm. seaming on that bodysuit, but I thought it fit her beautifully. Sure. And I I thought that. Um, the the seams aside, like if you're if you're just looking at how beautiful she looked in that piece and how well it fit her and it it hugged her body in the exact same way yeah. that Mistresses later did in I, the crystallized eleganza. I also I think just for me that it, my more issue was that it did it just didn't have a strong enough point of view in my idea. That's mind. fair. Like That's it was fair. a little like this is a good tracksuit. Like in a, in a you know that that it, there wasn't a spin on it in the right. way other the way others did um for the crystal look i also want to credit lux like i think yeah lux was so close to being in the top this week i think if there if the competition wasn't a little too tight on some other regards she could have been but i really appreciated she clearly it was clearly like hot glue or whatever that she like made this like mm-hmm. sort of like pe- this like t- um tutu. structure yeah with- I've never seen someone do something like that. And it's really smart and made it look like icicle. Like it made it look like icicles in the more traditional, like way icicles look like. Right. And, you know, I just thought she looked really great at the end of the day. I think if other people weren't like more consistently strong, she could have easily been on the top. I thought it was good. I personally, and this is just my viewpoint on it. I don't like overly structural looks Mm. like i want to look at a look at something and go this is an elevated version of something that somebody can wear off of the runway yeah i don't like runway looks that are not translatable to actual looks that someone can wear out somewhere you can't wear that yeah like that's not something you can take and wear anywhere that is an art piece which is great more couture yeah like it's more couture i'm just well i mean but even then couture just means unique and one of a kind like you can have something that's couture and still wearable yeah like that to me is too rigid like i still gave it a toot on our toot and boot video Mm -hmm. um just because of the artistry and the like the work and beauty that went into it. But as far as a look goes, I thought it was less successful. Yeah. Um, but that's just because of my notions of what it should be. And that's not necessarily reflective to how it should have done in the category. Yeah. I, I can see that though. Um, in the top, we, in general, in the top, we had mistress, we had Sasha Colby and we had Anitra. And in the bottom, we had Selena and Spice and Lucy LaDuca. Um, I thought this made sense at the end of the day, like when you even it out. Um, we didn't talk about Spice's uh, crystal ball look. I, I think she de- definitely deserved to be in the bottom uh, for her ball. Look, and I booted it at the time. Looking back on it, I, it's not bad. Girl. For, I think if there were more queens in the mix for this ball, she could have been safe. 
I mean, maybe, but that skirt was two sheets of fabric with some uh, some shoelaces tying that bitch together. That was not a look that should have been safe, especially when you compare it to everybody else on that runway. Sure. And the fact that at the end of the day, it was still the repeated look that she had had from almost every runway beforehand. Yeah. Like, it's just like when you're given the note to change shit up and then you go, okay, I'm going to do things exactly the same. Well, I just think her brain, I just think what she, again, I think what she hears in her brain is just like not processing like what's actually being vocalized to her. I think genuinely, like I think, I don't understand where she got that idea. And she didn't understand that like she came out with the disco ball in the second look and then did it again in the third look. Well, I it was a different disco ball, right? But she because she was doing the ball look for the second, and then I can at least understand. I can at least understand why she didn't get that connection because one was brought from home and one was created there. Yeah. So like it wasn't like she created both of those purses at the same time and thought this is a great idea. Right. Like one was done like a month before, so she probably wasn't really thinking of her other two looks mm-hmm. when she was putting together the third look. Um, and, but, but yeah, I think unless she created that there, in which case girl, (laughs) uh, and Michelle notes about the how spice felt like you could tell that she was so resistant to do the walk. Like she was was so funny. She was like, so trying so hard not to do the spice walk, which I, uh, which overall made her look a little bit more rigid in the way she was walking. I mean, take a judge's critique and get sent home the same episode. It's a drag race trend at the end of the day. Oh, and then Michelle also points out, like gives Anitra advice on the fact that she has resting bitch face when she's waiting for critiques. Like it's, it's so funny though. Cause she does. Cause she just, like completely deadpans. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know, it's hard sometimes. I mean, people don't, if you're not like sort of like versed in sort of like, I don't think Anitra is like somebody who's done like a lot of like competitive, like um, pageants or like anything like that, where you have to sort of like be conscious of that. Well, um, and I, I mean, I'm one to um, point out that all these people are neurodiverse, but um, people who are neurodiverse have to develop a mask. So, like, we don't typically hold an expression on our face. It's just blank. Yeah. So, if she were in the NeuroSpicy family, um, that would explain why that is an issue for her. Because she's not turned on at that moment. And she's conserving energy. Especially on a rough day, like runway day. On a ball week. So, like, of course she's exhausted by the time she's getting to the runway. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so Sasha ends up winning the challenge. I think this was deserved. I think, like I said, I think if Anitra's other looks were stronger, she could have taken it. Um, Mistress was pretty, I thought Mistress, like, was incredibly consistent throughout, and, like, everything looked so polished on her Oh, yeah, 100%. I think, I think Mistress also deserved heavy praise. And then Lucy ends up being safe from the bottom, and we have Selena as titties and we have spice. I think that's probably correct because yeah. even, even though her, um, her bag look was not as successful. Um, Lucy still, it was still a good look, even though it didn't fit the category super well. Sure. Whereas Selena's had like fit issues uh, a had, couple times. Yeah. And it was just, it just wasn't as good. Yeah. So we get to the lip sync and they lip sync to, it was is it called That's What I Want or That's What I Really Want? 
I don't know. I what, didn't write it down. I have never heard this Lil Nas X song in my life. And yeah. I have no idea why they chose it. Of all the little Nas X songs to do on Drag Race. Right. Like, what? It, it did not make any sense to me. This lip sync was okay. I, I, I feel like, like both of their actual lip syncs weren't the tightest. Like, neither of them really had, like, a strong, like, like getting the words out. I mean, Spice was a little worse in that regard. Um, I thought it was, I thought Spice did kind of strong in the beginning. She definitely leaned more in the comedy route. Which I I I get. I thought it was interesting that Selena took it as like a ballad. Cause yeah, it's, it's a lot re- of people online were were saying that it looked like she was doing like a um a musical theater number. Like it was like you could see her performance on stage in Broadway. And I think she was just trying to show levels because she has done the comedy. She has done the high octane. Yeah, you know, lip syncs in the past. I wonder so if it's, giving this new look. I was gonna say, I wonder if it's also part of the look that she was wearing because it was probably very, like she said it was like Oscar dress sort of oh, like vibe. Yeah, I it's mean, hard to honestly, do, like without if it hadn't been for the puckering fabric, it would have been an Oscar worthy dress. That was beautifully. It done. was good. Yeah, I, I actually think it was really well constructed for the most part. The issue was just the fabric and yeah. the, like. Um, I but Selena ends up winning. I think yes. I it wasn't the strongest performance on either of their parts. I think in the lip sync, but I think Selena did a little bit more and made a more interesting choice at the end of the day. Right, and I do think at the end of the day, also Selena listens to feedback. She, yeah, you know, has more potential to do more in the competition than Spice does. I really think that it's beyond time for spice to go home. yeah it's just like there's no, there's only so much you can do at the end of the day we like, all know she should have gone home last week you know what like it's like if if for like eight episodes you brought like very similar looks you're up, you're not switching it up five like, episodes in honestly like, the fact that she made it eight episodes and given the same look every time is astounding sure like but i will say i like her i like her and sugar as people even as even as drag queens like i think yeah they have their stick and they have their stuff. And I mean, I like how sort of like free and, and independent, I guess you could say they are in terms of like them kind of not giving a fuck. Right. And I think when you have, I mean, it, they could have very easily come into this competition when you have people like Sasha Colby and Mistress and Malaysia and other like sort of like really seasoned people. Right. And be very intimidated. Well, and the good thing about them is that they're marketable. They're yeah. incredibly marketable. Like you can take sugar and spice as they are and put them in any ad campaign Mm -hmm. and it works right but that doesn't necessarily mean that they would translate onto drag race well um i hope that the platform like people can look at this that aren't already familiar with sugar and spice and can um see the that same potential yeah and they can use this to launch into Things like commercials and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because I think that that would be very good for them, and I think it'd be very lucrative. And I hopefully maybe they and hopefully they can get more reps under their their belt in terms of performance and in terms right. of the other things. And they could do really well. Like I think they just need more time and more seasoning in terms of. Oh my god, seasoning! I, it's it's right there. <laughs> the joke <laughs> is right there. Um, but I I think you know they they played their part in the show well at the end of the day, and credit to them. Yeah, uh, Spice does her trot. Uh, leaving uh 
the uh, story online. Oh, is that yes. She, is that Spice did a rap or something before she did her goodbye at the back of the stage? I saw a lot of people being like, little one to release the rap. And I'm like, no, don't do that. No, no. No, leave it on the cutting room floor because unless it is good, if it is good, and I can't imagine it being, but if it is good, fine, release it. Let us know that she has that ability. That's amazing. That'll be good for her portfolio. Yeah. But if it's anything less than stellar, no, nah, we're good. In doing it in the context of her being eliminated, though, I feel like no matter what it was, that would have been fucking awkward as hell. Like, yeah. Like I mean, so, I mean, some people like really awkward shit. Like I can get, but I get like really yep. uncomfortable when it's just like, oh god, what's going on? Um, but she leaves, and then all the other girls when they're doing the everybody say love thing, like come when they're dancing, do the little trot out on stage. That was so great. Credit, and it seems like it seems like amongst the cast, Sugar and Spice are really liked, and I think that speaks a lot when you have Sasha Colby and Mistress praising them like i think that speaks to something at least oh 100 and like i will never knock their attitude like they seemed to be very um happy to be there very happy to be there and just like along for the ride and you know what you can't really demand much more from these girls like it's a stressful situation and the fact that you know spice specifically was able to keep that um positivity up all the way to the end Good on her. Yeah. So we're down to eight queens. We're getting uh, down to the wire here in this. Uh, it's going to be a tight race towards the end, but I think it's going to be really good stuff. There's a lot of really great queens left. Um, and Drag Race uh, 15 is shaping up to be a really, really good season at the end of the day. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to talk Survivor Season 44 and everything that happened on the premiere episode. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. It is time that we take a trip around the world. Around to Fiji. We love a good uh, love a good Fiji trip. Uh, but it's Survivor 44. We're finally going to get to talk about Survivor. Um, we are kind of, you're, well, I, you know, I on and off watched the show for many years. Obviously, with 44 seasons, like 20 plus years, you know, being in existence. It's a real cultural show. Um, we, I kind of got in, you into it very late stage. Yeah, we, um, I think it was season 38 is the first one that I watched live. Yeah. Um, but before that we had watched, um, a select listing of seasons we had binged through. Cause they were, we were particularly prepping for the winners at war season Correct. and like one, I wanted to show you like, uh, sort of like the top level, like, you know, iconic people in sort of the franchise, um, in that regard. And you, I, we've been hooked in terms since then. Um, 
I think this premiere was really good. I think the, the people in the Survivor community are kind of iffy on sort of the new Survivor. Like, the, obviously, they've co with you've talked about with like the COVID seasons, like how it's kind of. I want my thirty nine days back. I want my twenty contestants. Yeah. I don't like the three tribes of six. Yeah. I like my two tribes of ten. And you then, know, I feel like there's more dynamics with that. I feel like you set it. It feels like we're already already halfway through the season when you start off with only six people. Yeah. There's not nearly as much chaos with only six people on a tribe. And I think like they've focused a lot more in recent seasons to one like everyone's a fan of Survivor and everyone coming on is a fan of Survivor. So it's all about the experience of being there and like the backs of what you're like what your personal mission is there as opposed to like the interpersonal dynamics and sort of the like that vibe of it. I think this episode did better at that. I will say, I think I got a better sense of more of the people on the cast this mm -hmm. episode than in past seasons. Um, and I think that's, you know, we still had like the sort of like sad backstories and like the, like, you know, everyone's sort of like journey and stuff like that. But overall, I think, they one i think casting was really smart this this season at least in the early goings of this completely they they were we'll get to it there were definitely some people that i think didn't pass psych eval that they were like go on anyways <laughs> it'll <laughs> well, be fine and then they also just decided to go oh well we're gonna make like a full half of our male cast list gay, right? A lot of gay representation. Like even if they're not actually gay, they're giving me the vibes. Yeah. Like um they're gay adjacent. <laughs> we'll I mean we'll get into it, but like Yam Yam who had gone viral before mm -hmm. um the season started with the cast announcement just for how absolutely hilarious he talking is. about he wants to poop in the ocean he's excited <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah well and they open they open the whole show the first episode too like they meet they just start with like this like confessional of carolyn just and the producer oh, being like carolyn. just tell us who you are like tell us a little bit about you and she's just like i don't know what you mean it was like why i don't know why they introed with that it was very odd to me i just i I think it was good to start with that because it it was a funny moment that really kind of broke the tension of, oh, here we go into Survivor. Yeah. And it, it broke that. And then you could get back into the quasi-seriousness of the show because there, I mean, it does get kind of serious and especially in the first moments when you have an injury. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to that because it gets, goes through real quick. Like, um, we have like they're coming in on the uh from the boats onto the island, and we kind of get like interstitials of people. There's the one guy who's like has like spreadsheeted everything from like every season of Survivor, and like, who I think is Carson. Yeah, He's Carson. A tribe. Let me get into more of his story later. Um, and like it's like a lot of nerdy people, but like there wasn't really. I mean, you can maybe say Brandon, but like there wasn't a lot of like big macho like overly masculine men i don't know uh danny on soka is a firefighter i mean he's but we didn't get a lot of him like i think because we didn't hear from him a lot like that's he, fair he seemed normal like he seemed like yeah. not like overly like i'm the provider i'm the like you know yeah i mean they seem to have avoided um the 
the toxic masculinity this season, which is nice. That's a, that'll be a nice breath of it's fresh a, air. It's a good reprieve. Um, but I think they mixed up the casting like tropes in certain ways, like the sort of character tropes in a way that's really fun. Um, they get onto the beach and they're in their three tribes pre- uh, pre-designed. Ratu, who's in orange, Soka in green, and then Tika in purple. Um, and they get into their first challenge, which is basically for supplies, mm-hmm. um, where basically the team that wins um, gets their supplies immediately. The other two, the person, the team that comes in second place. So norm, in the last couple of seasons, they've been doing the teams that don't win the first challenge go back to their beach and then they have to choose between a sweat challenge and a savvy challenge. Right. And in order to get their supplies, essentially this time around the second place team in the challenge gets to pick which one they want to do. And then the other team gets what's left. Right. And I think that that's to avoid the possibility of two teams doing the sweat challenge and us not getting to see the savvy challenge yeah. and vice versa. And also to maybe like punish the the losing team a little bit more. A little bit more. And, yeah. and sting it and make it sting a little bit more. And so they go into the first. Tra- and so basically it's like they have to traverse this like sort of like mud pit, like under under um, cage. I don't know what to call that, but it's like, like kind of like what you see in the military where they have to go under like the thing and then grab puzzle pieces and move them back to the thing and then form this puzzle. And then they have to like get these rings off of this giant pole. Like basically they have to like, (laughs) they have to yeet these rings. (laughs) I mean, that's the only description possible, like over this pole with these two ends. Um, and literally they, they immediately start running and they're all going in the mud and then not even a minute in just wham. Bruce goes diving under the thing that to climb in, but doesn't quite clear it and bangs his head right into the bar and, and we get busts his head open and not just busts his head open, but we get these like slow-mo shots of just like him gushing blood and like. I, I I got so nervous because like it's clearly like just in the moments of it happening, but like he like starts rubbing the wound and he's got all mud and stuff all and like this is a bad idea, dude. Well, I mean cleanliness, yes, that's a bad idea. But actually, if the mud can dry out, it can help seal the wound and keep you from losing blood. So it's actually like there, it's that idea of put some dirt on it. Sure, like it's that idea, but it's and it was also like he turned like like because it turned like purple like towards the end. Like, it just, like, like the way it, like, ugh, it was insane. But he, like, immediately, like, starts reeling. And then, but eventually, there's, they get back to the thing, and they have the people doing the puzzle. But then he starts to, like, get, like, like very, like, loopy. Like, literally falls on the ground and is, like, had, has his head between his knees. And immediately, Jeff has to call in medical and stop the challenge. <laughs> Which, like, like... Medical got paid over this, this episode. This challenge is usually so innocuous in terms of the grand stake of things. Like, we never see a, like, medical stoppage, like, at, yeah. the, at like, this point. But they check on him. They check his vitals and that. I think he, like, it seems... It seems they had like, to give him oxygen. Yeah, because it seemed like he may have just passed out like from the blood loss or like just like the shock of it all or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's okay. Seemingly. Um, we'll get it later. Um, and they continue the challenge. Um, 
Tika like gets ahead pretty much in the forerunner, and then Carolyn has to do the ring toss. And you can oh hold, my god! If you you can't switch out players until the first person does, and she is just like screaming as she's getting the like. Is, yeah! she, is she the one that took her pants off because yeah. she thought it would make her throw better? I, I, I don't, don't know get what it. She, Carolyn is a mess, and I don't. And I want to be kind. But we'll get into it later with her backstory. Like I don't know what her deal is. I'm interested, but she's oh, got Oh, it's a, great TV. She's got a, as Wendy Williams says, she's got a little bit of a tick. Um, <laughs> ticky, ticky, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, and, but because of that, she, the Tika tribe falls so far behind. It's a Tika, Tika, boom, boom. Oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> babe. Really? Uh, so Soka ends up winning uh, and gets their supplies and Ratu comes in second. Um, so they end up deciding eventually what they want to do uh, when they get back to their beaches. Um, and basically, they have the sweat challenge in which they have to sort of go back and forth putting coconuts in this, like, bag mm-hmm. and dragging it across the beach. Which, when they pre- like when they presented this challenge, I was like, that like it doesn't look like you're dragging it that far. This is going to be super easy. No, and apparently not. I think that was what they were thinking as well. And they had two, like, more stronger people. They had Matthew and Brandon who... Yeah. Well, and they were also trying to be kind because Ratu is the one that took this challenge. Yeah. Um, and they had choice. They they had the choice in the matter. So they took this challenge because they knew that Tika was out, their big guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's And so the, the Tika one is that basically there's like these like... I don't know what you would call it. Like there's like multiple circles within this like sort of like... Um, yeah, so sphere. you had like a a sphere that just had like the support beams with no like casing, right? And then it, there was another one in, inside of it, inside of it that was smaller. Um, and they have to count the number of of right circles essentially, uh, and they only have fifteen minutes. Um, and they could they had to do it from afar too, which yeah, I, was like, I was like, I was like, get them you, close in there, what, and like like. I need to touch them. Like, I need to go one, two, three, four, five. Well, and, and, and once they got the outer ring, they were like, well, they're equal, they're both equal, so they must be like two and two. And I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't trust that the center one is like the same as the outside one. Like, but yeah, I would, I would think that there'd be some, um, tomfoolery. Yeah, but they end up, they end up getting it right and, and, uh, get their supplies and like, uh, over on Ratu when they're doing the coconut one, it like they're just struggling. And they started off very like we got time, we got like four hours or yeah, whatever. Brandon to do this. and Matthew are doing this challenge. Which can we take a moment to talk about Matthew? Because that man is pretty. Oh, I was waiting for it. Matthew's hot. Matthew's very attractive. I, there's a lot of attractive men on the like. There's always a lot of attractive men on Survivor, but it seems like they stacked the deck. And this we later season. and we later get his backstory of like his sort of like him and his husband, and they show pictures it's like oh his husband's hot too. Like they're just like it was like oh uh, yeah yeah I was very I was very thirsting at the end of the day. Um, but like, he's like struggling like hell to get these coconuts across and like, but they eventually end up doing it, um, and get their supplies as well. Um, and so we get sort of more of the sort of interpersonal dynamics within the individual tribes, which I wanted, I was glad to see. Like I want, yeah. we, with last season, we won't go too into depth, but like, especially at like the final tribal when it decided at all, it was, there was a lot of stuff that they just didn't show us. That was like, what yeah. of like personal dynamics. And it's like, maybe you should have shown us more of this stuff instead of like 
all these different like twists and like challenge and like you know yeah we were advantages. rather rather frustrated with production last season but um we see we see more of Carson the guy who had the spreadsheets uh, earlier and um he talks about the fact that he's never dated in his life um and everyone's surprised by that and well yeah I I, I was about to say something mean no um and then he also said that he gained thirty pounds to come onto the show because he was at like one fifteen look. As much as fat phobia is a problem, there's a lot there's a lot of discounting of of people that are smaller and have the tinier frames and um especially ones who resort to intellectual things and the the this guy seemed to seem to be a victim of that. Well, and I also well, I think that it's partly that, but he also spoke to like, you know, like if I'm going to be on survive, like you're going to lose weight. Like one of the big things, like when people get eliminated is they see how much weight they've lost in terms of the right. time there. So it's like, if you're already starting at 115, like, Oh yeah. You like need he, to put- he would have ended up at like 96 or, or like 90 in the low nineties easily. Yeah. You need to put something on like to like sort of give you a base before you go into something like this. Um, over on the Soka tribe, uh, Matt and Franny are kind of bonding. They're kind of like, a little nerdy and eccentric kind of, you know, vibes. Matt also comes off very gay. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I do want to shout out uh, Heidi, um, who is a Pittsburgh native. Yeah, they yeah, talk- good for her. And I think Matt was the one that said his family was from Pittsburgh I wa- as well. I want to say. Um, so that was, that was a nice little shout out to our new home here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and... So they go into the night, uh, the, 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 you know, night goes down and, uh, we're over on the Tika tribe and they're sort of, they have their fire started and they're sort of trying to like get everything together. Um, and Bruce definitely seems out of it still. Like he does. He, oh yeah. He, there's nothing there. Like he's a little glazed. Um, uh, and then kind of looking like a donut. Yes. And walks off and then they have to bring medical back in and cause he's just like not, you know, he can barely get up at this point. They literally have to stretch him out. And basically, Jeff Probst comes in and basically says that we have to take you out of the game to get you to a facility to check you out. One down, 15 to go. I mean, Jesus. Like, And it won't be the last injury of the day. Like, it, I mean, medical, like I said, medical got paid overtime this episode. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for that Australian medical guy who was just, like, every time having to come into the shot and, like, explain, like, what the fuck was happening. Well, and it's not even just that they're getting called in. Like, they were literally, like, monitoring Bruce's situation constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this guy was literally on site making sure that everything was okay, like, constantly. Yeah. Um, and I, I would... They didn't say it specifically. They said later in the, when they get to the immunity challenge that he's okay, like, that everything's Right. Good. He was checked out and he was fine, which at that point is just like... But they didn't say specifics. frustrating that you were, he got evicted at that point. Yeah, but once you... I, I, I mean, the, that's the thing is, like, once you take someone off the island, you can't put them back in. No, I know, but, especially, like, with COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But, like, I just... It's... So frustrating. You would, I, I'm pretty sure your assessment was right. I'm pretty sure it was a concussion. Well, I would think that they would have disclosed that it was a, dis- a concussion. Like, because I think they've said that in the past when people have been removed for concussed um, symptoms. That's and the only thing that makes sense to me in terms of like it, it, him seemingly being better and then later in the night, like, right, kind of plummeting. Like, that, that's the only thing that sort of like comes to my mind. Um, speaking of injuries, uh, we go over to the Rot 2 tribe and Matthew, who we mentioned before, 
he's kind of leading things, it seems. Like, he's sort of helping with, like, you know, sort of, like, a lot of the camp stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very, as much as, I mean, obviously he's gay, but, like, still th- that kind of masculine like, sort of, like, help mm-hmm. around the tribe, like, sort of physical strength trope without being too, like... Well, and he, about and it. he says he's one of the older contestants this season. He's but like he's 40, only right? 40. Like we've had older contestants on Survivor. So it seems like they've, you know, kind of this season, at least like made an effort to 20s and 30s. This is where we're staying. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, all this momentum that he's riding, you know, he has to climb this giant freaking rock that's in the uh, this giant like. And I knew it, when he was climbing that thing, I I just knew something was going to give way and he was going to fall. And then lo and behold, there he goes. And immediately falls and dislocates his shoulder. But which, po- which he pops back into place. Good for him. Yeah. And then like they later have to put in a sling or whatever. But even still, he's just like, fuck. Like, and then he also like cut the hell out of his foot. Yeah. Like it was like it was really gross. It yeah. But like I can see the frustration too of like he was one of the strongest people at that point in the tribe and it's like we're about to go into a immunity challenge and like because I was stupid and wanted to like Yeah. It it was, you know, f- you know, not great. We go over to the Tika tribe and it seems like the a, a, a alliance is somewhat forming between Carson, Helen and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um sort of their sort of um alliance seeming the form uh carolyn talks about how frustrated it she is of the fact that like she can't nobody's like speaking game to her at this point and sort of and which obviously is a very frustrating thing in this type of thing yes but, but honestly like would you <laughs> because i would i wouldn't look at her and go yeah she's trustworthy we get into carolyn's sort of like carolyn has her own kind of segment and we see like eight different shots of her making the weirdest fucking faces like, it's just I, I I don't understand how I like you said earlier I don't understand how she passed the psyche valve. She loves to pull the Diana Jenkins and like lick her lips and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't it, even notice that. Thanks. You're gonna ruin that for me. I yeah. It's only I don't think she does it like as casually as Diana does it, but like in the moment, like they definitely showed her licking her lips a lot to emphasize it. Um, I th- again I don't want to like prejudge. Because I saw in her, like, little, like, title card on the bottom, she, it says that she's a drug counselor. And part of me thought, like, is this from, like, past, like, you know, maybe... Or she, is she just a total ditz? Maybe. That's possible. It just seemed a little induced. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying also it seemed maybe a little put on. Like, it seemed... Like, I could... I mean, s- I can see someone exaggerating that, but I don't know that you could get fully to that character. Yeah. Like, it just seemed too genuine to be completely put on. I can see that. But it could have been amplified, maybe. Like, because that's a good strategic thing to do. But I feel like if that's the case, that she went too far with it because she's ruined. She's ruined people's ability to connect connect to her at all. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So they do the twist that they did. They've done for the last, like, four seasons now where a boat comes to the to the island and basically they have to choose one person to go to this separate island. Um, everyone basically draws straws or draws like sticks or whatever mm-hmm. for it. Um, except for, I, one of them does rock the uh, rock draw and it ends up being Soka, I think. Yeah. It ends up being Sarah uh, from uh, Tika, Matt from Soka and Lauren from uh, Ratu going to this island. 
Um, this was like so complicated at the end of the day. It's oh, it's like they've done like the risk reward ones that like stuff like that. This one was like you each get a bag that has one thing that says that you have. Um, was it an advantage? Oh, yeah. one has an advantage, and the other two you lose a vote. You have to draw. You have to draw at least once. If you draw the lose your vote once, that means you lose your vote for your first tribal council. But if you get the lose your vote one, you have the option to draw again. To try to get that advantage. To try to get either the advantage, but if you draw the other lose your vote, that means you've lost the votes for your first two tribals. Right. It was very complicated. Uh, So Lauren gets a, a bank your vote advantage where she can decide essentially, you know, going into a tribal, she can not vote and then keep the parchment paper to use for a future tribal so she would have two votes. Right. And then uh, I think it was Sarah gets the inheritance advantage. Right, which I had forgotten about this one. So basically she can play that advantage and get everything else that was played at that tribal. So I she wanted- gets to have any immunity idols. She gets to have any advantages that were played. Um, any of that stuff. It's basically instead of them like going back into the island that are being lost or whatever, they like, go into her pocket. I want to see how that gets played. Like how do how you do that? Right. Do you have to like, how do you let, Cause you, then you're you outing that the, you get that. Do you do it in the voting booth? Like assuming that like, if you know, if you have a feeling that this tribal about people are about to play a lot of shit. Right. Well, advantages do ad, advantages have to be played before, before the votes are read. before the vote. Well, no. Depen- Idols have to be played before the votes depending are read, on but the depending advantage. on the advantage they could be played before. So she could, if she's playing that advantage, she could already have foreknowledge that an advantage has been played and may know that an idol might get played. I feel like it's something you have to have do in secret. Like play the Yeah, because in then you, why do it in public if and then cuz everyone's just going to know you have all this shit. Yeah. Like I don't I don't I I wanted to see what that is. Oh, we forgot about the cages. Oh, the the cages. So they go, the other twist is that they go to the island now and the big thing with survivors they have hidden immunity idols where you have to look in the island and find it like hidden in a tree or or some place essentially on the island. But instead this time around they come onto the island, they start go, going and ravage and scavenging for stuff, but they see out in plain view that there's like sort of a bird cage with a padlock on it that has a bag inside with seems which seems to be like an idol or an advantage, right? Right. And so that I get, I kind of like this of like there's like this personal dilemma of like do we work together to find the key to open it? Do we sort of like cuz at a certain point like it's it's different than an idol in the sense that like people will know if it's gone. Right? right. So how do you play that necessarily? Um, we see it involved in, in the Ratu tribe uh, because they sort of split up into a group to sort of look for the key. Brandon ends up finding the key and putting it in his pocket, like right in front of Maddie. Like he doesn't realize, but Maddie sees him sort of put it in his pocket. And right. she's clearly like, um, but he essentially reveals it to her. And they have this debate of whether they want to show it to the group 
And I love that, like, he would, like, someone pointed out, he's literally hiding the key from her originally. But then when they start discussing it, she's like, maybe we shouldn't tell the group, the rest of the group immediately that we found it. And then he's like, that seems shady. Like, as if, like, dude, you were doing the same thing. I mean. Honestly, so I think a way around um, it being so public is I, if I were to get that key, and open the the cage, get that advantage. So we find out that it's an immunity idol, and then there's a fake immunity idol that goes with it. Yeah. Um. I would take the slip, take the real idol, leave the fake idol in the bag, leave the bag yeah. in the cage, yeah, and yeah. then lock it back. That's it. That's actually. And then go throw the key off in the. You're right. That's the way to do it. Like that's probably why they have the. I was like, why do they have the dummy idol in there? But that's probably why, actually. Because then you could get somebody who thinks they have gotten an immunity idol. Yeah, that that would be a fun little like twist, essentially. And the other two um, groups have not found their key yet, so there's still the potential for that to play out in the season. So I hope it does. But Brandon eventually tells everyone on the tribe that he found the key. uh, Goes to unlock the. the uh thing and they let him have the idols because he found the key essentially um we go to oh oh well so i'll say this we go to the immunity challenge and uh it essentially is this big collaboration that concludes in this big slide puzzle which i hate hate slide puzzles i'm so good at regular like any other puzzles we've seen on this show over the many, many, many different seasons, I'm great at sliders. I am trash at slider puzzles. Right. I don't know why. I just can't do it. But also when you add, not just slider puzzles, but now it's heavy slider. Like, right. Like, they, you need three people to move the pieces, essentially. It's like, that is a nightmare for me at the end of the day. Um, uh, so we get into the challenge. Uh, they're going about it. Uh, and Matthew from Ratu and Claire from Soka are sitting out because they need to sit out one person because of Bruce being gone. Right. And Claire, because uh, we didn't talk about when the people who went to the island and got the uh, advantages or whatever came back, they had to basically tell them, either lie to them or right. tell them what actually happened. And Lauren kind of half lied. She, you know, she said essentially that she uh, lost her vote uh, and that was it, but she also gained an advantage. Um, well, but she didn't lose her vote at all. No, well, she got the advantage on the first draw. Was she the one that got on the first draw? Yes, because we see later during the immunity that she got to. If she had lost her vote, she would not have been able to then stash that. Oh, that's right. That's a good point. But she she claims to the rest of the tribe that she lost her vote. Um, and so, which which we'll get to it, but they. Like, yeah, we'll get to it when they actually get to discussing things. But Claire on the sit-out bench is whispering to Matthew of the Ratu tribe of being like, what did they, what did uh, Lauren tell you about when she went to the island? She basically said she lost her vote. And she's like, well, when Matt said that he lost his vote, he showed us the slip. Right. And she didn't do that for you guys. And he's like, no. And immediately puts suspicion in Matthew's head. Rightfully so. Good on Claire. That was smart to like, sort of stir things up. Um, Well, and also to gain an ally on another tribe. Yeah. And then as this is happening and as they're getting to the spy puzzle, then we get medical in again. Because Brandon is now. Yeah. yeah, Brandon Brandon is now um, 
lightheaded and dehydrated and overheated. And it's just like, at this moment, I was like, this is happening so often, like repeatedly, like in recent seasons, we are having issues with people getting overheated and dehydrated and it's just more commentary on you know like global warming and like we are you know completely eroding our environment even out in places like Fiji that doesn't have a lot of industry right that is actively locally messing up the uh atmosphere and the the conditions there it just goes to show how actions taken here and elsewhere really have a fully global effect so Soka and Tika end up winning uh, immunity this week with Ratu having to go to tribal. Also, the immunity uh, idol uh, is essentially a sword and a, and a shield. I love it. I absolutely love the sword and shield look. And then, like, I mean, we'll talk about it later when we get to the um, tribal. But, um, like, the the set for the tribal is like a old ruined, like, castle or church kind of thing reminded me of the reunion set for salt lake city Mm. it was very you know similar i mean there were no pews but like they had like suits of armor and like very medieval looking um and you know i love gothic architecture and like medieval stuff like that so it was right up my alley yeah so Ratu has to go back and get ready for tribal matthew basically tells everyone what claire told him about lauren and basically says that they need to try to get Lauren out. Maddie is wanting Brandon out because he has the idol, and he seemingly has a lot of power right now because of all that. So they have their sort of clear ideas. And then we have Jamie coming in with her crazy eyes. Because, oh my God, her <laughs> eyes were crazy. There's always someone who gets really paranoid and like knows that everyone's gunning for them and absolutely no one is gunning for them. Like literally like her name is like not being discussed at all. And she's just like, should I play my shot in the dark? It's like, Oh my God, really? Like in the first episode. Jamie. And, and we'll get into shot in the dark when we get to tribal. So you, we're at tribal now. Oh wait, no, we didn't even talk about the fact that the girls were sitting here like trying to count votes and they were counting oh. Lauren's vote like she was going to get to vote. This is Lauren where literally told them, I don't have a vote, even though that was a lie. We know that. But she was telling them, I don't have a vote. But then they were counting on her vote when they were counting like, I didn't understand what, what are you doing? And then nobody caught it. I don't like those are the moments where it's just like, am I missing something or is like, you know, I felt like I was going crazy because nobody on the island seemed to notice that she wasn't supposed to be able to vote this, this, um, this tribal. Yeah. And then we get to tribal and she doesn't even use her vote. She uses her advantage to stash her vote to use in the future. Yeah. And they all seem confused by it, which is like, they seem confused why there was one less vote. I was like, she just told you, like, why don't you have the numbers? Like, like, and nobody even, like, discussed the fact that that kind of um, vo- uh, validated the, the lie that she told. Like, it literally proved, like, I'm so confused. Yeah. I'm so confused. So we get there. Um, uh, so much happens at the tribal, essentially. So, Lauren, as you mentioned, Lauren banks her vote um, in secret. Jamie plays her shot in the dark because she basically says that, like, if the things are going to go as planned, then my vote's not even needed. It's like, okay. 
and then Matthew also plays his shot in the dark for some reason. I have no clue why he did that. There was no nothing to indicate that he was getting targeted. So basically, by the way, Shot in the Dark is like a recent addition to the show where you each have a essentially a dice that you can have for the whole season. And if you play it at any point during the season, you have a one in six shot of being safe. Right. For a tribal. But if you play it, then you can't vote that tribal. Right. So it's like, I don't understand. When two people who were not being targeted whatsoever play it, it's like, what's the point of that? Like, you just, like, blew a chance to possibly save yourself in the future when you would actually need it. And, and you know, they both play their shot in the dark, and Brandon basically decides, like, okay, if all this is happening, I'm going to play my idol. Duh. I mean, and Jamie does her shot in the dark is successful, which first is time. the first time that that's ever happened. But like the fact that that was the first time and it didn't matter. It's like, okay. I, other, other than if they had not done that, Brandon might not have been spooked enough to play his because as it turns out, he was getting the votes. Yeah. So there's two votes on Brandon and then he gets to be the deciding vote. So it's like, Oh, but also it was like, he gets to be the deciding vote, so it's like, oh, Lauren's going home, because they were all talking Lauren. And then Maddie's name gets written down. And it's like, what? Like, nobody even mentioned Maddie. Why did she get... Like, I don't get it. I guess maybe... I'm, my only guess is that Matthew told him that Maddie was gunning for her, for him. I mean, maybe, but it's just like, this is, seems like another case. And it's just, this was a two-hour premiere. Yeah. So this there's no excuse for there to be things left on the cutting room floor. Like you had two hours to tell this story right. of the, like, and I get that they can't show everything and they never do because that leaves some suspense, but we should at least be able to go back and track and figure out what happened. And we can't do that from this. Yeah, it was Like so, there's so much loss. This episode was better than in past seasons. Yes. But Overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it was a good start. We'll see how, if they can keep the momentum as it plays out. But overall, I would really encourage people to check the season out because I think it, it's a good, it might be a good place to start for new fans and hopefully um, it'll go over pretty well in the end of it. We're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Traders reunion. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. We are into our final segment for this episode, and that is The Traders Reunion. What a! Uh, I was when they announced that they were doing a, a reunion, and it seemed like it was a last minute decision for them to like go about it this way. I was like, uh, is this like a reunion worthy show? Like, is it like the vibe of the show? Is it like sort of like that kind of an environment? It's not. It's not the housewives, you know, sort of thing. 
honestly, I think it was a good move at the end of the day. Like, I, I, I think so. And it was, uh, it, for me, it was very similar to like um, the mole where they have the reunion right there in the finale where yeah. they bring everybody back and they kind of get to see the reveal of the mole and all of that. Um, I wish we had had something like that with the traders where everybody had come back and was able to, to um, be there for the finale, but uh, that's not what happened. Well, and I was also like with them sort of sitting on it a little bit, I was like, are their fr- reactions going to be as fresh and like sort of right? Apparently they were. Cause apparently, I mean, we'll talk about it, but there were a lot of better people. Well, and then people also get to watch the show back and see yeah. what's happening behind the scenes for the traders, which was shocking to me that like the contestants didn't, that, that, that didn't give them more clarity. It seemed it get, it, like they like almost ignored yeah. the context of, we'll get into it. Cause it was like, well, it's like, well, I mean, let's go ahead because, I mean, I don't feel like we necessarily need to dig into a lot of details, but um, the the overarching feeling it felt like was, was from the cast was, fuck the traitors. Well, and f- yeah, and particularly fuck Sari. Which really frustrated me because I felt like she played a masterful game, and I I feel like when you sign up for a show called The Traitors, and then you're mad that you run into people named traitors that then do duplicitous traitorous things i i don't get what you thought you were signing up for kate chastain literally said at one point it's literally in the title like i don't know like part of me i i mean i'm conflicted part of me was happy about it like i i i liked i like when people aren't fully sanitized to the idea that it's a game and are playing with emotions and are like sort of like invested in that regard yeah, to but a I don't, certain extent, but like, but I also don't like that being pushed on Sari because yeah. I didn't feel like that was fair because that taints her win. Like, you know, like she's worked so hard to win one of these shows and she finally does. And shocker, the one uh, woman, particularly a woman of color of the traders when the rest were white men um, got the blame for pretty much everything like yeah. shocker. Um, and, but like, and I, and like Quentin sounded so stupid this reunion, like, I, like uh, for being so well, he wrong, sounded pretty stupid the whole season. So I mean, it, <laughs> for being so wrong all season, you should not be this opinionated. And I love, like he was trying to like, I cast this narrative that like him and Sari were like gotten super close and like, you know, Oh, you kind of used my family against me in the end. And so she like pumped the brakes on that. It's like, dude, we didn't get close till the very end. Don't act like we were buddy buddy since day one. Well, and also it was just like I didn't like him, and 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 here's the thing: I'm saying this as a white man, so take. The, I'm not trying to like you know cast aspersions or anything, but he was also making the point of like me, you, and Andy were at the final three in that boat during the challenge, and basically we're like, yes, black people in the final three, let's all like get to get like essentially like let's stay united as as people of color. And like, oh, and then you turned your back on me at the end. It's like two things. One, Sari being a traitor, that it was only going to end like that then. Like by that, right. there's, no, there's no scenario where Sari's going to give you to the money. Like it's almost as if they wanted her to quit at yeah. the final three and give them the money. That's stupid. I, I like first off. And then second off, when you make that proposal in the boat, what is Sari supposed to say in that moment? No. Like, yeah. What I just did not understand the logic and like 
I think Sari was trying her best, and I think she kind of got through to Andy a bit with this more yeah. than uh, Quentin, which was like, our personal relationships are still genuine, divorced of this game. I was given a task, and I had to play that task within this game. Our personal bonds did not have to do with the game. Well, it's very frustrating because it's like the whole game is based on building trust with each other and, you know, using that trust to suss out who the traitors are. And it's like, so you're mad at her for doing her job because her job as a traitor is to cover her tracks using trust? They were like, you should have played the game taking the, like, socio-personal stuff out of it. It's like, that's the game. I don't, like... That's Big Brother, that's Survivor, that's all those games. Like You, you should have been a traitor without traitoring. What? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make any freaking sense. No sense. Mind. Just about as much sense as that sentence I just said. And, and Ari was also playing, uh, in the words, because Rachel called him out directly for it, like he was playing victim a lot in terms of the like. Oh, yeah. And like, I get Ceri's point, which was like, you became a traitor at like the last fucking minute. You did not do the work that I did throughout the course of the competition. So I part of me didn't think you deserved to have the money split between you and I. Yeah. And, like, I get that. Not to mention the fact that it's exactly kind of what she was talking about there at the end. Ari comes from a rich family. You don't need this money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, even Andy asked, like, a fan question of, like, did you Andy ever... Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen. Be- yeah, I forgot there's an Andy on the cast. Um... Did you ever consider splitting the money with Quentin Andy? No. Why? Why why is there an expectation that if you win a competition like this that you're obligated to give the runner-ups money? If the runner-ups deserved money, they would have had money given to them by the production. I don't like Well, and then I also like it was frustrating because the way that Quentin was framing things was like the faithfuls had it a chance to win the game on their own. And we were doing the math and I realized that it literally was impossible for, for a single faithful to win the game, which means that they were always going to be splitting against at least one other person. Right. Um, Because if you get down to a traitor and a faithful, you can't win as a faithful because you have one vote and the other person has one vote. And so, so you, you cancel each other out, and therefore the traitor wins. Exactly. So there was literally no way that a faithful could win on their own. They were never going to get 250. They were only ever going to get 125. So to act like they ever had a chance for the 250 is really disingenuous. And really, like, you can't weigh that against what the traitors had the chance to win. The traitors could actually get to the end and win it as a single person. Yeah. The traitors are the only ones who ever had a chance to win 250. Yeah. And I think even Andy, like at one, Andy Cohen again, (laughs) Andy Cohen at one point is just basically like asking them, like what should Sari have done at the end? Like what could she have done? Especially in this place of like, you're not choosing to play as a traitor. You're gifted that out of complete chance, depending on, you know, whoever, uh, Alan Cummings slash production uh, puts it on you. Like, it's not up to you to be a traitor or a faithful. Right. I don't understand that sort of negativity in that regard. But like I said, I kind of, I, I like that people were personal about those experience because it lended to a better reunion. Right. From a reality television standpoint, I like, I like that. What, what did you think of Andy hosting? 
Um, I didn't mind it at the. I was. I didn't mind it, but and I liked the. I I know you thought it was corny, but I really liked the little skit that him and Alan oh, oh, Cumming did at the beginning. Oh, it was brilliant. It was it was corny, but it was more corny on Andy's part. Like, well, I mean, but Andy Cohen is corny. Like it's Andy Corny Cohen. Like that's his name. Well, and it, it, I thought it was just interesting because he I think said leading up to this was like he binged the season essentially after it like became real popular. Like so he was like late to the game even on it. And so, but like, I mean, everybody binged it. It didn't come out episodically. It came out sure. as a single drop on Peacock. But I think he didn't binge it until he knew they were doing a reunion, which was they. I think a later decision once. Which I mean, that's fair. He's got a lot. Like he has to watch all all of the stuff that comes out on Bravo. Yeah. So, like, I understand that he wouldn't necessarily have a lot of recreational television. Watching. And it didn't like, I don't think he typically watches those kind of like big brother survivor sort of shows. Like, I don't think he knew like Cody's background necessarily right. or like any of that. Like he seemed kind of novice. Um, I think like, I love that. Uh, who was it? Angelica or whatever was like talking about how going into the season, like she hated Ari because she's such a bachelor fan. And he was like, why did you hate Ari so much? And she had to be like, you watched his season, right? Like it was a weird, awkward moment where it was like he clearly is not versed in some of the more yeah like reality the people who aren't Bravo liberties. Yeah. Um and Which speaking of, two of the Bravo liberties weren't even there. Well, yeah, Reza I don't know why Reza wasn't there, but Brandy wasn't there reportedly because of stuff that's allegedly went down on the Ultimate Girls Trip film. Which we will be covering. It comes out at the end if of the it, month. If so. it, well, well, the third se- season. The fourth season with oh, Brandy. Oh, right. The third season. We're, oh, my God. The fourth season, season with Brandy, behind. if that's going to come out. I'm just going to say Do that. Do you think it won't? I would be, I mean. I don't think Bravo is dumb enough to not capitalize on that. I think they should. I think it should come out. But based off of everything I'm reading, it looks bad. Like, it looks like a pretty bad PR nightmare for them in certain ways. I mean, sure, but at that point they like No, I I let me like I think because It's not like Brandy hasn't done shit like this before. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, you know. But, you know, yeah, so that's mainly the reason why she wasn't there. But I think his style of interviewing at the at like Housewives reunions aided in this because like it wasn't like so into the minutia of like strategy necessarily. It was more like, like I love that he asked Stephanie, like, "Are you and Suri still friends?" And like, you know, how are you? How are your two dynamics? You know, interpersonally, I thought that was more of an interesting route to take it than like, yeah, overly strategic. Yeah, and I think in a game like this where the gameplay is purely socio i mean they didn't go into any of the physical challenges other than kate chastain throwing barrels yeah which was comedy gold Mm -hmm. but um they didn't really need to go into any of that because the prize pot got put back into place at the end of the game anyway um so there was no need to go into actual physical gameplay so it was all social game which is great because Andy is great at that sort of thing. If they, if it was more challenge based on at least half of it, then a more of an interview style, like what Jeff Probst does for the survivor would make more sense. But I mean, this just was getting into all the tea and all the, all the messiness of it, which is right up Andy's alley. Yeah. I think Jeff Probst also does more of like a, like, motivational like what does it mean for you as a person and like you're like sort of like and andy is just more interested in like 
are you friends with this person? Do you like this person? Like sort of, and I think that's kind of more, it's, it's something I've never seen with that type of reality show in the engagement of it. Also, can we talk, um, Rue, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but if you are, um, Jeff Probst is a great person to to look at if you're looking for someone who does yeah. scripted questions and like stuff like that, but still comes off genuine and warm. Mm-hmm. Maybe look into that sort of hosting and presenting when you're asking questions and trying to delve in and be, build an actual con- connection with your contestants. That would be, I think, would land more. Yeah. And I think it would endear RuPaul to the community even more than she already is. Right. My take. I agree. Um, we find out Christian is dating Geraldine. Uh, and still can't spell her name. Which, it's not that hard, guys. It's really not. I, I, I feel so bad for her in it's that It's spelled Geraldine. Geraldine. Easy. And uh, I will say, when, he, when Andy asked what his profession was and he said he was an actor and a content creator, I was like, that checks out. Like, that makes so much sense. Yep. Like, well, I mean, that's what Geraldine does, too. She's well, actually an internet personality as well. Well, I, I'm sure if you ask, like, most of the newbie, play, the not re, former reality players in this game, they would probably say the same thing. Well, I mean, I mean, we can add that to our <laughs> to our um, uh, resumes now, right? Like, we're, we're both content creators. This is content. We're podcasters, sure. right? Sure. We can say that. I just feel like with reality shows, there is this trend now. In these type of reality shows, like The Mole and, like, similar ones, like everyone's casting like Instagram influencers and like, I, I just, yeah, I, we haven't watched the traders UK, but even though it's out or Australia, which apparently is a thing, apparently, um, which is out on Peacock now, but I hear it in the UK version. There's a better diversity of people in terms of backgrounds and in terms of like ages and in terms of like different, like, I think that's, I want to see that more with casting at the end of the day. Survivor, we mentioned before, does it, largely pretty well and i did like the fact that this cast was split between what we were calling civilians and reality stars i thought that it um even though the civilians half of them were like internet personality type of some level um you know at least they were someone who is not on a produced television show yeah so i mean it it gave a nice mix of people and you really didn't see that there was that division between the two halves of the cast. They really did mix and blend well together. Well, and it also was interesting seeing like this, the people who had watched all the other shows we uh, will talk about, like Michael got into it with Cody at one point. Cause oh, he, yeah. I love that he made the distinction. Like I was a big, big brother fan and I was a big fan of Rachel. Like, like he very much was like, well, yes, but he also clarifies that he's more of an old school Big Brother fan. Sure. So she's from an earlier season of Big Brother. So it makes sense. Well, and they get because they get into like he feels like he was being targeted by Cody and sort of thing. And Cody explains himself fairly well, I would say. But like he was he's clearly somebody on Big Brother Twitter and like the Reddits and stuff. Oh, yeah. Him being like, you know, you did your old stick of like just hanging, like budding up with the broy guys and the dumb girls, which I everyone like I think the people who didn't watch Big Brother were like reacted like, oh, that's too far. But I think what he I mean, what he means is if you watch Cody's time on Big Brother, he always shacks up with this like naive oh, yeah. girl. That he can like take to the end and like you know basically. I mean, it was an app description, and I, I I find it funny that nobody on the cast was offended by that description, 
because any of the the people that might have gotten offended, I don't necessarily think got the description. No, yeah, it it was it, he was playing he was playing for uh, social media. I think he was playing for Twitter with uh, with those comments. But I mean, I was you know I'm here for it, and I, I I'm glad that there was drama. Like I I like that like. You know, people are coming into this game and like playing it like pe- fully grown people who have who can be offended and can have issues. As much as like Quentin annoyed the fuck out of me, like at least he was like having an opinion. Like I I I don't like I don't like it when it's all gameplay and we're all acting like we're friends and we're all like that's just, one that's not realistic, and two like. You know, I think it makes it more entertaining at the end of the day to watch people really care about this kind of stuff in a real personal way. Yeah. So we um, got to talking after watching this reunion about, um, you know, what different versions of this of this game would be fun to watch. Yeah. And because it's very customizable. Oh, yeah. You can you can throw any universe of celebrities into this and have fun with it. Um, the one that we landed on because we spend so much time there is the Bravo universe. And so well, I think part of it was because we were watching Suri on watch what happens live when we were discussing mm-hmm. this and she had like, was talking about who on Bravo she would want on the traders. Oh, right. I forgot completely about that. Yeah. But uh, we decided to cast a 20, uh, a 20 person season of the traders. Um, we got fan, real fan ana- cast. We got real analytical. We like, like, we had like a pre-game round and then like and like a narrow down like like we became the casting producers of well, this. Well, the thing is is that when you watch a lot of reality television, you start to see the tropes that you need to fill. You need to fill certain slots in in order to g- create a dynamic cast. You need yeah. to have someone who is willing to go balls to the wall, 90 to nothing like craziness the entire time. And then you also need people who are your grounding characters, who are characters who don't, who know how to go there, who know how to bring the drama when necessary, but who will also like level things out and make it so that you have dynamic levels. Because if everything's at 10, it's going to be too chaotic to watch. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like that, you know, that reported uh, villains reality show that's being filmed. It's like, I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch it. But oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to watch it with popcorn. But it's going to be. Uh, almost an too, entire too mess. Insane. Yeah. It's going to be an entire mess. But we ended up, like you said, we ended up narrowing it down to 20 and we kept it to all women because it's typically like housewives. like you And know. because the only man that we could think of of casting was Jax Taylor. And then it was just like, I don't want Jax in the middle of all of this. No. Kick him out. No, it's fine. We can do all women. And we tried to like get a little bit from all the shows that we watched. So, so the list of shows that we did, we did all of the Bravo produced housewives, except for um, real housewives of DC because it was a single season and it, we What's didn't watch point? it. Yeah. Like, who cares? We also threw in Married to Medicine and Vanderpump Rules because we, we love, love those shows. Um, and the women on those shows are just as dynamic as the women on Housewives um, and deserve, honestly, more recognition. Um, so um, so our, our first pick that we knew out of the gate we wanted to have and was a total 100% this has to be there was Tamara Judge. Yeah. Like, I think, because uh, Matt Rogers said on Watch What Happens Live that Tamara would be good on Traders, and, like, he's absolutely right. Like, Tamara, it, Tamara, I don't know if I would want her to be necessarily a trader. I think she might do better in the faithful realm of, like, 
the one person everyone would think would be a traitor. Like, yeah. It, it might be a little too obvious to put her in that role, but she would do such a good job of like sussing people out and like. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even be against drawing traitors out of a hat with this cast. I mean, honestly, it, there's there's a lot of good options. Um, after Tamra, we had uh, Caroline Manzo from Real Housewives of New Jersey. Which there we go. We have someone who is at ten. Well, Tamra is not really at ten all the time anymore. But, like, she lives at, like, a 7-8 level. Yeah. And Caroline Manzo lives at, like, a 3 to a 2 level. But can, but can be at a 10 when pushed. Uh, yeah. And, I and think she doesn't have to be pushed hard. She <laughs> just needs to be nudged. Yeah, I think that's the right idea. We also went with Candace from Real Housewives of Potomac. Absolutely love her. I think, again, I think she would be, hilarious. one, hilarious, two, Really very cutting in terms of questioning. Um, from Married to Medicine, I went with, I really wanted to push for Dr. Simone. Stunningly amazing. She would be someone who is living at like an eight or a nine, but also could back down to a three if you need to. She would do amazing at the round tables. Oh, she would I, be fabulous like, at the round tables. She I, like, is able to just sort of like cut to the bullshit real quickly, like cut to the chase and like, I, I think we were debating between her and Dr. Jackie, but I think Jackie would be a little too timid. I think Jackie would be over it real quick. She, she would just w- be tired of the immaturity. Yeah. Like she just doesn't, she doesn't put up, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't suffer fools. Very much so. Um, on Vanderpump Rules, we went with uh, Ariana Maddox. Speaking of someone who cuts through the bullshit. Yeah, she is a good one to sort of like... Also, I think with traders, they've talked, they talked a little bit of the reunion about like the process of like throwing out a name at a, at a round table and how you had to like get to that sort of place. And sometimes you had to pull from nothing and sometimes you had to sort of like read between lines of certain things. Right. I think Ariana is particularly really good at that. Mm-hmm. Like she can like, she can talk about things that like, is not the surface level thing that like everyone's seeing. She can talk about like the things that are sort of like underneath the surface. And someone else who's also very good at that is Eileen from Housewives of Beverly Hills. I mean, I just want Eileen on pretty much everything. I, I, I love her. She is, she is Rena without the toxicity, and it's um, like she's fabulous. I want her back on my screens, other than at a, obviously she's constantly working in the soap opera uh, world, but that's like not my bag, so yeah. like, I don't get to consume her as much as I'd love to. Um, we said uh, Candy Burris of Atlanta. I mean, she's already done Celebrity Big Brother. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's uh, I she actually probably would be a good trader. Like, oh yeah, I th- I she'd think be great trader. She's the one who could like be very smart about it. In, oh yeah, in in a, and understand that role. Um, and then also Kenya from Atlanta as well. Like. You can't go wrong with throwing Kenya on a show. Like Kenya she's could, gonna bring the fire. Kenya would kind of, I think, play the Brandy role from this season of Traders, where like the, she would like just be like extremely opinionated from the get and like sort of hold to something. Um, and, and and usually right, yeah. Like say what you will about Brandy, she usually has correct, uh, like. Um, uh, intuition. Yes, her yeah. intuition is usually spot on, and the same goes for Kenya. Yeah, we uh, we went with a throwback from Real Housewives of New York and said Carol Radswell. I love Carol. I justice for Carol with all this stuff that's been happening with Bethany online. I think people need to revisit that whole situation. Yep. But that's besides the point. Uh, she again. So, I mean, smart and and very. Um, 
can sort of be very quiet in a good way, like sort of like eye everyone up from afar mm-hmm. and and sort of not be the most like like how you were saying grounded people. I think she right. would definitely be one. Well, of those. we have a a whole section of grounded people here coming up because next on our list was Dolores from New Jersey, who is also a grounded person who will take it there, but she watches. Yeah. She is very aware of what's going on around her. And, um, I I think she would be a great addition to this cast. And then, and then Karen Huger. Oh, you can't like, you can't do this without Karen Huger. I mean, just from the entertainment factor alone, it's one thing. Karen should be on pretty much everything, but like, She's also somebody who would pull shit out of nowhere and like just oh, throw something out that was just a complete lie and have people spiral. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Meredith, uh, Meredith from uh, Salt Lake Salt City, Lake City um, is also next on our list, and she she also does that sort of. I'm gonna say what I want to, and um, well, <laughs> she, well, and, and she also. She likes to psychoanalyze. Yeah. And we saw that a lot on season three. And I honestly think that the setting of traitors would trigger like a a paranoia in mm -hmm. her, which would be delicious to watch. It would just be like, I feel like she might spiral a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Then we have Sutton. We love Sutton from Beverly Hills. Um, Like, I mean, just hilarious enough on itself. But I think, you know, with the Erica stuff that we saw on Beverly Hills, like is willing to sort of like analyze and and, and like, she's very good at digging into things and asking the questions that need to be asked and analyzing the answers to those questions. Like she's, she's very, very, very good. Like she's very good at reading people. Um, Next on our list is Caroline Brooks from Dubai. Yeah. I like, I like Brooks is very underrated in terms of, um, you know, can be, opinionated when she, i think she she's shown herself that she's very opinionated when she's pushed yes and i think i would love to see her sort of like what she would do if she would be in that sort of if she would be accused of being a traitor necessarily right and sort of how she would handle it um adriana from miami yes like you need someone who is like at a 10 the constant uh the entire time and who is a little bit ditzy and just going to go crazy. And yeah. that is Adriana. Um, Stassi from Vanderpump Rules. Also, justice for Stassi. Bring her back. I think I feel like if you put her in the traitor position, she probably would, I mean, in a better way, would play more like Christian. Yes. Like, I think she would throw smoke bombs and would do things that would be a little more risky. But she would be able to do it in a way that doesn't implicate her. Yeah. I think so too. Um, Ion from Dubai. And speaking of someone at at ten the whole time, I think Ion would take it there, and and having another model on there alongside Kenya would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, we also said Toya from Married to Medicine. We really i I wanted to have Simone have someone on there that she had a good rapport with, but also. Toya and Simone know how to fight with each other. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's not like she has a built-in ally. Yeah, and Toya also plays in very emotionally, I would Oh, think, yes. In an environment like this. Speaking of um, uh, <laughs> playing emotionally, we decided to add in Kelly Ben Simone we from like, Roni. Yeah, like, I mean, if the rumors are true that she's coming back for Roni Legacy, if that ends up happening, like, Kelly is like, I mean, she's crazy, but she's like sort of soft crazy. Yeah. Like she's like not like, like, 
I I don't even know what she would play like. But to be it honest. it would honestly make it really fun to see us go from Scary Island to Scary Castle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and last on our list, Leanne Lockin from, from Dallas. Dallas. Now, if you don't know Real Housewives of Dallas, um, it unfortunately, well, it, it's officially on hiatus, but it's pretty much canceled. But Leanne uh, Leanne Lockin was just a villain who loved being a villain and she would be a great um Kate Chastain character in this mm. setting someone that everyone loves to hate and who the traitors will keep around as a as a shield and so we just get a lot of that delicious you, evil you need a v- some volatility i think uh, i think i discussed or i described her when we were discussing this um that she would walk in and gladly put on the the villain hat, you know, and just revel in it. Yeah. And you need someone who's going to do that. Like, that is a role that is extremely important in reality television. Yeah. But the last role that we haven't filled is the host. Oh, yeah, you had a great idea for host. Who else would be the most fabulous host for this than... Lisa Vanderpump. Keep it, keep it in the in the European uh, realm in terms of at least the, at least with the UK host and and with Alan Cummings of like sort of like that vibe, and like I think Lisa would like be so self deprecating. Well, not self deprecating. So like she would cut people as well. And oh yeah. Cast. Oh yeah. And like and then the fact that she already knows most of these women knows them well enough to pull things out and use against them yeah. in a way that would be delicious because she's untouchable as a host. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of have to take it. And it's, ah, uh, So uh. So anyway, that's, uh, that, that is our fan cast. And uh, if Peacock is listening, which they're not, again, <laughs> but if they are, uh, cast that season because that will be, money in your pocket and if you're listening let us know what you think and like if it doesn't even have to be bravo levities it can be anything who do you think would be a good traders player i i really want to see what people think you can tweet us uh anything uh just let us know yeah definitely you can even email us at a gay and his mb at gmail yep um we have lots of different ways for you to reach out so please do so over the, the three things that we covered today over Drag Race and Survivor and Traders, what are you thinking about tops and bottoms for this episode? Ooh, okay. So tops for the week. I, I'm going to give it to uh, Anitra over on Drag Race. Oh, uh, yeah. I think both in terms of a completely stunning look, I would say the best look of the season so far across the board uh, with that dress. And then also seeing, seeing her backstory. Mm-hmm. And, and getting that sort of more emotional connection with her in that regard. Um, it was really great to see. From my bottom for this week, you know, I'm going to give it to Quentin on Traders. Just because oh, yeah. he was given bitter juror and, dude, you're not even in a jury. Like, you were <laughs> annoying the hell out of me this reunion. I mean, it was entertaining at the end of the day, but, like, dude, like, get over it. Like, it's not, like, I, I did not understand his, like, fascination with this idea that like he was wronged in this like terrible way anyways uh what about you tops and bottoms so my uh top of the week is going to be uh whoever on the survivor casting um group decided that we were just going to feature all the sexy gay men yes um this season um i'm here for it give me more um sexy men in their underwear um on television i'm here for it 
my bottom for the week is probably going to be Brandy Glanville. Like, <laughs> how are you going to fuck up so bad that you can't even come to the reunion for this show? Like, you were one of the more dynamic members of this cast, and we, number one, were robbed of having you longer on the actual show. But then you do this horrible thing. You maybe rob us of the fourth season of Ultimate Girls Trip, and then we also get robbed of having you on this reunion like i'm just i like the whole thing honestly like removing our access to entertainment is secondary to you know how caroline was um affected on ultimate girls trip but like cheese like what i mean she was on such a path for a return and like and a big like yeah i mean there were rumors she was going to go back to beverly hills like like I was really kind of hoping for it because she's so she's so good to like shake up a cast. Yeah. And um but when instead of shaking up a cast you're allegedly feeling up a cast, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you got my bottom spot this week, Brandy. Sorry, Brandy. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.